Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our gospel reading from St. Mark chapter 4 with an emphasis on these words. The disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. You know, friends, there are a couple of readings scattered throughout the church year where I'm not only certain that many of you are already coming in familiar with this reading, but also have a very firm idea in your head about how the text is going to be preached. And today's text is just one of those, the calming of the storm from St. Mark's Gospel. It's what the seminarians might call a slam dunk of a text. It's almost too easy to write, too easy to preach. What am I talking about? Well, stop me if you've heard this one before. Jesus on the sea with his disciples shows us that he is with us on this voyage of life. He is our captain, and we follow the course that he sets for us. The boat which we occupy with him is none other than the Christian church, the vessel by which we arrive safely upon heavenly shores. The wind and the waves, however, these are the various trials and tribulations of life which toss us to and fro, threatening our faith, threatening to knock us out of the security of this Christian fellowship and into the stormy seas of doubt, despair, or even death itself. But Jesus, our captain and our hero, he stands up to these outside forces and with a single authoritative word makes them go away. And he preserves us safely unto our heavenly home, having now learned our lesson to follow him and trust in him to get us through all of life's hard times. Amen and amen. Am I right? Wrap that one in a nice little bow, or better yet, slap it on a Hobby Lobby canvas and hang it in the foyer of your home. Slam dunk. Well, when we get actually into the words of the text, it becomes clear that it's not quite as simple as that. Now, preaching this text allegorically, as you just heard me do, presents us with a couple of problems, not the least of which is that the pieces of this story don't quite fit together in such a neat way as you just heard. In fact, let us consider the whole purpose of the allegory itself, the the way that I just presented the text to you. In, In searching the New Testament for other instances of the church being referred to as a ship or a boat in which the believer might be given refuge from the storms of life, that search actually produces no fruit, believe it or not. The closest citation we have to this is actually when St. Peter cites the great flood in Genesis as an early type of baptism. However, the narrative that we see in Mark chapter 4 doesn't really mirror that story either, as the wind and the waves do not serve in any way to cleanse the disciples of their sin of doubt, but rather their unbelief is only pointed out to them after Jesus 
stills the storm, and after Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. Now secondly, and perhaps most difficult, considering all of the ways that this uh, text is preached incorrectly, is the brutal reality that Jesus does not, in fact, always protect us from all of life's storms. At least not in a way which clearly corresponds with our gospel reading for today. In fact, quite the opposite, Jesus frequently tells his disciples that they can expect all manner of worldly sufferings to come their way. That at times they may even be persecuted or tried precisely because of who it is that they have their faith in. The disciples themselves were a prime example of this and that they experienced persecution, suffering, and even death all for the sake of the Holy Gospel. Christ, on his part, did not spare them from these things, but he encouraged them in his famous Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are you. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus does not spare us suffering, but he invites us to suffer in his name, to lay our suffering at his feet, to be confident, to be bold, even when we are made to suffer. For he himself, likewise, was not spared suffering and death, but he took these things on gladly and willingly for our sake. And so today, he calls the Christian church to rejoice in temporal suffering, not to flee from it, but rejoice that we have the privilege to share in his sufferings, firm in the knowledge that we also share in his victory. To preach this text merely as a matter of temporal relief from suffering forces the pastor to either lie to his congregation or to reduce the whole narrative down to basic salvific truths. If I were to preach the text this way, I could technically be correct in equating the wind and the waves merely to sin. And likewise, the miracle which Jesus performs is merely analogous to the forgiveness of sins. These things are true, but friends, I tell you, there's so much more to the story than that. At worst... This text may be preached in an insulting way to those Christians who have long suffered without relief, to those who have died without being granted the temporal reprieve which they so desperately sought. Friends, if we were to do it that way, your faith would be shattered and your God would be shown to be nothing more than a tyrant. A fickle God who arbitrarily withholds his favor from some, but not from others. This too, I tell you, is nothing more than a lie of the tempter which he masquerades as the gospel. For if your whole faith hinges upon God granting you health, wealth, or wisdom, and you still find yourself coming up dry, then your faith is not in Christ crucified, but it is in your temporal health. 
It is in those things of this world which cannot avail you. This leads us to the third and final mistaken interpretation of this story, which is to read it as a parable or a critique against the disciples' little faith. This last one is kind of tricky because it does say elsewhere in the scriptures that God does in fact use trial and tribulation to refine our faith, to make us stronger, to teach us to trust in Him more fully. There's a reason, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that Job was our Old Testament reading for the day. God is with us in the middle of life's storms. God does not leave us or forsake us when things get difficult. Yet, the ending of this text seems to indicate that the disciples were left with more questions than answers at that time. For on the boat, when they saw the wind and the waves calm and they were so astounded, what was the question they asked? They asked, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. This question I pose to you modern disciples of Jesus is the gospel kernel of today's story. For the disciples did not receive salvation only when they confessed Jesus, only when they cried out for help in his name. No, they barely knew who it was that they were dealing with. They did not yet have the big picture. That would only be revealed to them later at Calvary's cross. For the time being, they were still men of weak and little faith. And still, their God rescued them. You and I may ask that same question. Who then is this? We may, like the disciples, have little faith. Who then is this if we have heard this story wrong so many times? Who then is this if not the one who brings us into the ark of the church? If not the one who saves us from death and who strengthens our faith? Certainly, Jesus is the one who by his spirit does these things. But this text does not pose this question from a place of belief. It poses it from a place of unbelief. For those same disciples also accused their rabbi as he slept on the cushion, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? What gives? What's going on? Don't you see how we suffer? Why won't you stand up and give us relief? And so we see that their faith is lacking. Their faith is incomplete. Their faith, as Jesus says, is really no faith at all. And so, by their faith, the disciples would not be spared the storm nor would they be saved from death. For what they lack is saving faith. What we lack is saving faith. And so, read improperly, this text would be nothing more than a death sentence for you or me, because we are not strong enough to come to Jesus on our own. We frequently bemoan and wail at him, just like the disciples did. We often point an accusing finger, saying, What gives, God? Do you not care that I am perishing? We lack faith. We do not know who this Christ is or why we should believe in him. 
But thanks be to God that this same Jesus does for us what he did for the disciples. Who then is this? Jesus shows us clearly here in Mark chapter, four, chapter 2 who he is. He shows us that he is the Lord and God over heaven and earth as he demonstrates to the apostles by his authoritative decree. When he stills the wind and the wave, he does so in order to inspire faith in them, to show them that he is the long-promised Messiah, that he is the one who created the very wind and the seas, that he is the one with the authority to make them be still with a single command, that he is the one who rebukes the meaner forces of this world to place them in subjection under himself, making them serve his plan and his purpose, even when it is these very forces which would condemn you and I unto death. Let this reading, let this story show you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that this Jesus of Nazareth is the God of all creation. And firm in this knowledge, let it be known that he preserves his creation through trial and tribulation, that he is with you in all suffering and even death. For this same Jesus is also the one who endured your death upon Calvary's cross. He suffered all things for your sake and for mine. He did not deny us the shedding of his blood for our salvation because we lacked faith. But through his crucifixion, he has given us access to those gifts which inspire in us a living faith. He has made us worthy to receive him in baptism, in his supper, and in the proclamation of his word. He has given us a full revelation, that thing which the disciples lacked, of who exactly he is, by the signs and the wonders which surpass all the meager power and authority of this world. He puts the forces of sin, death, and the devil in subjection to himself by again making known his mighty power to us. He rebukes those things which the enemy designed for our undoing. He reveals to us his saving grace, not through mighty signs and wonders, but through giving himself over unto death and thereby conquering death. He takes those things which would mean death to us, and in them he works life and salvation. To the drowning water, Jesus speaks, Be still, for I will take your drowning, and I will make it to give new life and second birth to my own to his own crucified flesh and spilt blood, he speaks, I will take you up again. I will make you to be a living covenant with my own, pure spiritual food and drink to all who partake of you for the forgiveness of sins. And at last, to our sin-stained world and to its own false understanding, Jesus speaks, I will place my truth in your mouth. I will make you to testify to my own that I am who I say I am. 
Though you were once a people of unclean lips, though you were once enemies of God, I will accomplish this through you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, hear his word and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the one who has come to deliver you. That he is the one who has come to restore you, to bring you out of death and into life. Though you may suffer in this time, though you may be given over into death itself, this Jesus remains the one who has given you victory over the grave by the promise of the resurrection on the last day. For on that day, all the world will come to know his authority, which has been revealed to you and to me. On that day, he will speak, and all this world's storms will at last cease. He will again rebuke the wind and the waves. He will speak from the voice of the whirlwind as he spoke to Job, Peace, be still. And still they will be. For this Jesus, he is your God. Hear his cry of command and know that he and he alone has authority to do these things. As all of his signs, all of his wonders, all of his promises declare in his most mighty name. Amen. May the peace of God which far surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus our Lord and our God unto life everlasting. Amen.